Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. Indie Game Business is recorded live on Mixer and produced by the Powell Group. Check us out at IndieGame.Business. Now, let's start the show with your hosts, Jay Powell and me, Indie. What's up, everybody? My name is Indie, and that gentleman sitting right next to me um, out in the field there. That's Mr. J. Powell from Powell Group Consulting, and this is Indie Game Business, and today we've got our special guest, Sean Gotkin from Carry First, and we'll be talking about um, why you should, you know, put your mobile game in, sell it in Africa. So, hey, welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks for inviting me, Jay. You didn't tell me it was going to be live, though, hey? Only joking. <laughs> I need joking. I need joking. Okay. What are you doing, Jay? Because there's audio. Okay, now we're good. I had yeah. multiple versions of our stream open, and I was oh. just hearing everything. You, know, you were hearing all the echoes? Was. Yeah, I couldn't figure out which. You look so confused. Noise was coming from. So, yeah. So, so sorry about that. Yeah, welcome. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're live everywhere. So, uh, Hi, Ali well, on LinkedIn. The pressure. <laughs> the, um, all right, so let's start at the beginning. Tell us how you got into the industry. And, well, yours is a little bit different than most guests. So walk us through your your career and then tell us how you got into the industry because you, you come, you're a transplant. You come to us from, a, from another, re, another yeah, industry. <laughs> Sure. So, yeah, I, I come from a, a few, you know, previous industries. And, yeah, so, you know, I played and coached cricket for about five years. Then, you know, I spent 10 years as an entrepreneur with experience in investing and consulting. I also have experience in the events industry where I've done over 400 events across the public and private sector. And so, yeah, really where I, you know, got into the industry and, you know, how I ended up at Carry First, uh, where, you know, I, I heard about Carry First last year, you know, had my investor hat on, you know, it was seen as one of the, you know, startups to watch in Africa. So, yeah, just as an investor, what you do is you kind of have a bit of a, a hit list and, you uh, You've got, you know, where you are monitoring various companies, whether you're looking to get in as an angel investor or in whatever capacity. And so, yeah, I, I heard about the company and then, you know, this year chose to, you know, I saw an opportunity when I was looking at the company that actually had a role available and I was thinking about it. Okay, this is interesting I mean, games, who doesn't love games, number one? But, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to have my own companies uh, done. I mean, success is relative, right? But, um, yeah, you know, had success in a few different industries and growing the companies, you know, in the so-called generating, you know, millions is the goal, you know, when you're starting off and everything else. So, yeah, that's been great. And I thought, okay, well, I wanted to, join something and be part of something bigger and you know so all of a sudden the stars aligned uh, I met with the founders and yeah we we got on uh, you know I matched what they were looking for I guess um, and then here we are you know joined an industry that 
I must say, absolutely loving it. So, one, I keep forgetting, because you and I talked about this, that, that you had done all these events. And so, you know, the question after next week is going to be, what what do you think of our events? Because, you know, I'm just the opposite. I had never run any events. And now I'm, I'm running a series of, of digital events. So that's always interesting. The one thing I want to mention, you know, we are talking about all kinds of stuff with the African market today. So if you're out there on Twitch, YouTube, you know, Twitter, wherever you're you're watching or listening from, and if you have a question, you know, for, for Sean, toss it in chat. We'll see it. We'll get it taken care of and, and get it addressed on the show. So what has been the biggest, I don't want to say culture shock, but I mean, frankly, business in this industry is different than business in a lot of other industries. What has been the biggest change or, or something you had to learn or relearn when you came from what you were doing into the mobile game publishing? Sure. So I like to look at it as it's been a, a breath of fresh air, to be honest with you, in the sense of the community is absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I'm loving. And, yeah, that's a big difference. You know, the, the games community, it's special and special in the best possible way. And so people have been extremely welcoming to me across industry, making connections and everything else. And, yeah, a lot of friendships along the way as well. And so much so that, you know, I've been trying my best to be, you know, giving back wherever I can. And, you know, that's something that I enjoy doing. And, you know, I'm a part of a picture game, which is happening right now. It but, is happening right now. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, yeah, effectively, it's just the whole, the indie developers that they are, you know, a bit too nervous to approach publishers or to get feedback on their games. Yeah, I, I treat them as if they're a triple A studio and I like to give them the feedback. And even uh, games that aren't in mobile and that's what we focus on you know i've had conversations uh you know steam developers and everything else asked me for some business advice on a sunday and with pleasure been willing to help out just because people have been so friendly and accommodating to me uh since i've joined so i've just been trying to give it back you know in terms of various other industries look it's relative i think in any industry you're going to have top performers, you're going to have people in the middle and people that aren't really doing well. So I think that's, that's standard. And I think, you know, you have a so-called, in different industries, some have a so-called tall poppy syndrome, uh, where don't want to see others do well. Um, and it's quite ruthless, you know, it's like, welcome to business. Uh, whereas I found in the games industry, as I said, people, you know, wanting to do well together. And that really, you know, I, I've, I've taken that to heart. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And, yeah, just I feel fitting in in this industry and enjoying it like you cannot believe. See, it, it is. And, you know, there, there are those companies out there who are very territorial and you know don't want you don't want you to do better than they are but it really is a very supportive it's one of those things i don't think about that often because i'm just used to this industry 
but I mean, you're right. It is, you know, from the publishing side to, you know, the development and the education side as well. You know, you and Johan are two of the, what, what do they call it? The focused folks for pitch a game. And in a lot of other industries, you don't get, you know, situations where here you have two publishers that are going out there and publicly giving feedback on a lot of these things that a lot of these games that are getting pitched. And so that's good, you know, but it, it, it's one of those things that I'm so used to it. And those of us who have been doing it. So you so we think that's normal, but it's, it's really not normal in, in business. Does it? No, I mean, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, you and I have had a bit of jokes about it and it, it was going to come up anyway, so I might as well bring it up. Uh, you know, my business school experience and all of that and, yeah, just how people perceive the games industry and being a bit more closed-minded versus just the the potential and what it has. And, you know, if you look at the numbers, they speak for themselves, you know, just in terms of, you know, the it's a multi-billion dollar industry in many different you know areas and yeah i guess a lot of uh, business people you know are approaching things to be like oh you know looking at corporates and everything else um so you've got that kind of approach whereas in the games industry it's a little bit different and yeah personally i'm all for that because ultimately yeah i'm a big believer in treating everyone with respect and you know in this industry i'm yeah, noticing that, you know, people are very happy with that. And yeah, I look forward to, you know, chatting with people uh, and seeing if there's ways that we can assist them, I can assist them, or if not, maybe I know someone in the industry that could help them out. And so, yeah, that's just, you know, a large part of my day. And, you know, a focus is just to try and make that that impact. So, Tell us a bit about, the, you know, the African market in general. And, and it's something that we like to do on the show is kind of bring to folks' attention markets for their games that you know, they, they don't always think about offhand. You know, you're based in, in South Africa, and you're actually going to be doing, <laughs> shameless plug, Sean and, and, and two of his friends from you know the industry in Africa are going to be doing a a talk and a session and an AMA next week on opportunities for for games in Africa. So I don't want to get like too deep into it, obviously, because that's what we're talking about next week again, anyway. Yeah. But give us a high level overview of the size of the market and how it varies because obviously Africa is a big, a big continent, but you know, how it varies and, you know, just the high level, you know, languages, that sort of stuff. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. How much time do you have here? You know, <laughs> you have 49 um, so, minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> awesome. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a continent that I've noticed when I came into this industry that, there's been a very little focus and, you know, been, been working really hard, again, to support the content and the scene, you know, working with uh, Meet to Match and, you know, organizing tickets uh, for various uh, developers and studios across the continent 
to really help the scene, you know, not just in South Africa, but you know, in Nigeria and Cameroon and, you know, throughout. So, yeah, in terms of Africa, I think one of the most exciting things for the gaming scene is the average age across the continent is 19, you know, so, so people want to play games and, you know, that's exciting. And in terms of the continent, there's uh, about 1.3 billion people. So it's not just like you've got an average age of, you know, one to two million people. It, it's massive. And um, yeah, you know, there are, you know, there are a lot of uh, English uh, speakers on the continent as well that a lot of people aren't aware of. There are a lot of, you know, certain so-called tribal languages as well, such as Yoruba and Hausa and even something such as Swahili, you know, over 100 million people speak it. Um, yeah, in terms of Africa, I think, you know, 15 of the of the 30 fastest growing economies globally are based, you know, in Africa. So just from a, you know, a so-called growth perspective, that's extremely exciting and showing that there is money on the continent and things going forward. You know, in terms of our particular industry, what we've noticed is uh, CPI, you know, has been around... Uh, 10 cents, which is, you know, no pun intended to that uh, little company in China, I'm sure a few of us have heard of. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it, it is quite exciting. And, you know, a lot of a lot of potential, uh, not just so we focus, you know, on uh, mobile gaming, but just across across the, the sector, you know, some great things happening, like Niyamakop, uh, what they've done, you know, in the uh, switch, you know, and console space and everything else, exciting things. You know, we have our own conference, uh, Africa Games Week uh, by Playtopia. Uh, because of everything going on uh, in the world right now, I'm not sure it's going to happen this year. But, yeah, it's just giving more of attention and so-called a spotlight on the, on the growing scene in Africa. So are all the... Are all the consoles released in Africa, or is it like some places in Asia and only some of them are? Or what's the what's the platform usage? Sure. So, yeah. Um, in terms of the the breakdown of devices, if we're talking about mobile, um, so the statistics show it's about an eighty to twenty percent split for for Android to iOS. We believe the stats are about 72% to 28 uh, The reason being is there's a lot of uh, secondhand iPhones that have been entering the market in Africa. So, yeah. Are, so are the majority of the gamers on mobile versus PC or console? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, there's about, I'd say about 500 million and new smartphone users entering the market in Africa. So it's very exciting times. A lot of people that previously didn't have access to, you know, uh, digital content. And so mobile is uh, that, uh, a primary source of entertainment for a lot of people in Africa. And for us being in that space, uh, it's extremely exciting. So there is definitely a growing scene, you know, in uh you know, uh, esports and and uh, PC and console, uh, but it is growing. Uh, you know, Glenn that we're going to be having the chat with uh, next week. So he's involved in the scene, but you know he does it part time because 
you know, it's still growing from an esports perspective. But from a mobile perspective, no, absolutely. You know, it's it's hugely popular. I mean, people are, yeah, I shouldn't really say this, uh, but uh, people, you know, are on their mobiles a lot uh, during work as well, which they shouldn't be, but hey. Um, and, you know, during school as well. And people, you know, often travel quite a lot uh, on buses for sometimes one to two hours a day, you know, spend a large portion of their time on their mobile devices. So, you know, being in the mobile gaming space, uh, it's extremely exciting. So in terms of, of genre, you know, how, how well developed is the one, the mobile network? I mean, do you have a lot of times where you're offline? Are they mainly, you know, what are people playing primarily? Is it mainly, you know, PVP games, you know, your Clash of Clans, or is it a lot yeah. of you know, single player, single player sure. games? So, yeah, I mean, I mentioned the average age is young. Uh, the market is young as well. So in terms of the specific genres and the genres that we look at and strategically, you know, we look from a casual to mid-core perspective, you know, we believe that people, when they come into the space, uh, you know, they come in from that casual element. Um, but there's certain genres that are extremely popular, football as an example. I mean, so or soccer, I should say. I should read my audience a bit better. Yeah. No, we have a global audience. You can totally refer okay. to it as football. Yes. So I can say the real name. Fantastic. Yes, you can say the real name. <laughs> um, so yeah, like football is massive, and it's not just because I'm a big football fan as well. But um, yeah, it, it's hugely popular, and so yeah, that's a big focus. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, connectivity, so it definitely does vary. People do have Wi-Fi, you know, at home and at schools and at work. Uh, but, you know, across various regions, it does it does vary from, you know, whether it's a 5G, 4G, 3G, sometimes even 2G, even on a trip, you know, uh, it depends where you go, whether it's in East Africa or wherever it may be. So typically, you know, asynchronous games are quite popular. We are looking, you know, yeah, it, uh, it does play a part, you know, in terms of uh, data also uh, plays a significant role as well. Um, so unfortunately, the games that are like over a gigabyte are not that popular yet in Africa. And, you know, we look at games that are around about 100 megabytes or so. But again, it very much varies uh, depending on, on the, the genre itself. Um, you know, if you look at so-called the puzzle type of games, uh, you know, in Nigeria alone, uh, Ludo is extremely popular. So, yeah, you, you can't really typecast uh, because, you know, there's 54 uh, countries uh, in Africa. Um, so each country kind of has a bit of its own flavor and style. But typically, you know, there's a few elements that, you know, indicate and uh, will lead you down the road for success in terms of, as I said, you know, data and, you know, uh, if it's asynchronous or, you know, has that kind of element where it's flexible in that regard. But as I said, it is growing and it's, I guess it's just about the communication, Jay, um, you know, telling your audience, you know, if it is like a, a PVP type of game and just explaining it to your community um, and, and that's, uh, that's vital because, you know, people want to 
people want to win. And ultimately, they want the best chance of doing that. If you express that to your audience, uh, they will look to play those games when they are connected to Wi-Fi, as an example. So what should, I mean, and so you just brought up the fact that you try to keep the games under 100 meg. What are some of the other things that developers and publishers alike need to keep in mind when they're launching or, or looking to release the game in Africa? Sure. So I guess it's the understanding of the market and how popular that particular you know genre is. Because it's it's a very young market, we feel, you know, us as a publisher, we're going to have a large uh, thing to say on that in terms of, you know, which genres, you know, we are pushing forward. Um, but your yeah, size is important. As I said, it's, it's very much a genre dependent on that. Um, so download size isn't that bad. But where it becomes a bit problematic and what people uh, tend not to like is, you know, as the game progresses, uh, you've got, you know, various downloads that are required to progress in the game. Because while you can see, okay, this is three, four hundred megabytes, that's fine. But then let that be the complete game. And then people know, okay, well... Uh, we've we've got, you know, we're going to be on Wi-Fi, that's not an issue, but then, you know, when they're playing uh, out and about, uh, they're not going to have to, um, to, you know, download additional uh, packets. Because the thing is, is that, yeah, there are a lot of, you know, people are on updated, uh, like, you know, uh, like iOS and everything else, but it's often older phones. So as a result, space is limited. And what we've noticed is, is that, you know, two primary things that people want to do on their phones in Africa is chat and communicate and play games. So we are already halfway there. It's just a case of, you know, making it um, relevant for, you know, players. And, yeah, I think it's also, you know, Africa is very uh, community-led. Uh, so it's important to make sure that in terms of how the game is getting out there, whether it's through, you know, traditional means of, you know, advertising, whether it's uh, Facebook or ever, you know, doing user acquisition, also having that community approach and having those opinion leaders to ensure that, you know, people are really enjoying the game and it's growing. Yeah, and that's interesting because we do see a lot of these games are getting bigger and bigger and bigger in file size as, as they get more complex and, and you know, the, the industry evolves. And so one of the things that I always find interesting when we talk about other markets is, you know, you mentioned the market is shown both in, in demographic and, you know, they're just quite frankly, haven't been mobile games around as long as they have been in some other areas, but you get to skip, all of those like little simple games that were so popular early on in, in the mobile space and you get to jump like directly into some of the cooler things. So, you know, how has that affected the development side of, of the African market? I mean, are you seeing more people coming out of school or, you know, just passionate in the first place who want to be, developers themselves and is how is that segment of the market growing sure um so 
Something that's really exciting and a lot of people in industry across the continent have actually, you know, spoken to um, both Carrie First and myself. So, you know, we are a company that, you know, had secured uh, funding um, uh, globally. And as a result, it is showing, you know, uh, the scene in Africa that actually there is potential here. So uh, we strongly believe that, you know, more success stories such as ourselves uh, is going to boost that, you know, and, and that's something, again, it's beyond uh, just carry first, something that I'm really passionate about in terms of uplifting the scene. And, you know, we as a company are as well, and that's where we aligned and, you know, doing a lot of uh, chatting with various developers and, yeah, I'm never going to get tired of explaining retention and, you know, to developers that just aren't aware because, the reality is, is firstly, need to, if you haven't been told something or aware of it, how can you hold that against someone for not knowing? So, yeah, make a lot of time to explain that and, you know, various tools such as whether it's a game analytics or dev to dev and, you know, about integrating it and why it's important and everything else. So, yeah, the more education that occurs, the more talents available, uh, you know, going to come up because, you know, definitely noticing that there's a lot of talent coming up. And as I said, it's it's just a case of, you know, nurturing it and, and growing it. Uh, there's some exciting stories across the continent. And, um, yeah, try and support them, uh, regardless if it's in our so-called uh, in our so-called stable of what we're currently looking for. Because, again, as I said, you know, we want to we want to lift up the scene. All right. Well, we did have a question coming in um, from Nightwolf. Nightwolf says, "Would it be more? This is this is what you were talking about previously. Would it be more cost effective to upgrade your phone for the bigger file size games, or get a PC and install an Android phone emulator? And does it vary depending on region?" Sure. So, look. Ultimately, I think in terms of you know the phone, it's. I guess it's just what are your friends doing? <laughs> And ultimately, if your friends are playing, yeah, 100%, you know, that's with community. And, you know, if you're noticing, hey, you want to be playing and everything else, you're going to invest money in purchasing those kind of devices. I can tell you, you know, there was a, I can't mention the, the name, but it was a, a very exciting game. Um, and, you know, they were keen to work with us and had to turn them down because they're the, the size was over a gig. And, you know, in the short term, from a business perspective, uh, you could be like, oh, great, it builds our credibility. We're going to sign such a great title. It just lifts up us and our credibility. But, yeah, that's just not the way to do business. They wouldn't make money here. We wouldn't make money on it. So, yeah, we turned it down. And, you know, it's making those kind of decisions and until until things grow there you know there's some exciting things that are happening you know mtn which is you know a telco provider here in well i guess in africa uh recently announced a 5g you know on the continent and uh well starting in south africa but plans you know to roll out you know through the continent and you know as as networks improve and everything else and phones get cheaper and cheaper then absolutely it's not going to become such a, a pain point that it is now. So there's certain things that you can change and there's certain you can't. Yeah, as I said, it just very much depends in terms of, I, 
PCs. I think mobile is probably more of the winner than uh, people buying PCs. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the pricing of uh, the top end uh, phones at the moment, yeah, you're absolutely right. You can get a, a PC that could run the game and sure, you know, maybe that's a marketing strategy that we need to be uh, doing as well. Uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that I've never I've, I've, I've seen the emulators but it's like you don't I can't imagine it's the same experience I mean I'm going to be wrong and, and not well if that may be a very viable way of doing it but you know especially when you're dealing with games that are only 100 meg how much of a how you don't necessarily need a very powerful phone to be running those sure you know absolutely and yeah i've uh used some emulators as well you know on my mac in terms of you know just testing out games that you know so i've i'm an iphone user myself and then you know i have a an older samsung phone that i test out you know uh, do games work on the phone? It's it's one of a checklist, you know, just so we get a a broader dispersion in terms of seeing, you know, how how functional games will be, you know, because yeah, you know, being able to feature on older phones, I think that is quite important. But yeah, as I said, I think it is, you know, we do assess the the genre itself and you know how popular the game is and and how it has done in emerging markets. You know, I had a call. Uh, earlier today with, you know, uh, a studio in Indonesia. And, you know, we see a lot of similarities with the Indonesian market in Southeast Asia and um, and Africa. So, you know, comparing certain things and, you know, certain restrictions and everything else. So I guess Africa has just been a bit of a mystery that hopefully we're trying to demystify. But, yeah, you know, it it, it is so, so-called... Uh, you know, factors that uh, do get taken into account in these emerging markets. So let's talk a little bit about, because we, we kind of skipped over Carrier First in general. So talk a little bit about, you know, what you do in Africa as it stands, and then, you know, how you're expanding from there in, in the next few months. Sure, sure. So, yeah, uh, a fairly brief overview of Carrier First, you know, it was founded in, 2018 and you know it was initially a content creator so you know made an app in-house called carry first trivia you know it had 1.5 million downloads and it was number one in both nigeria and kenya and you know this was more of the proof of concept as we you know uh, pivoted to the publishing model and you know what we really wanted to do was to understand why is monetization so low in africa because if you look at, it depends what uh, data you look at, you'd think, okay, there isn't really a market here. But a big factor, you know, is, is that not a lot of people have access to credit cards. And so, you know, what we started doing was uh, partnering with local fintech companies and allowing users to pay. And what we noticed was, is that users were very willing to pay, so much so that, you know, conversion numbers were looking well beyond the typical one to two percent conversion uh, in industry. So it's really exciting. And so, you know, this was, uh, I guess, 
the steps to move to the publishing models all part of the plans and yeah we focus you know on uh mobile games we are mobile games publisher and yeah we you know recently announced a 2.5 million dollar seed round uh closed it earlier on in the year before the world uh paused uh, so that was a uh, good timing and then uh before that had a pre-seed funding of 1.5 million dollars so yeah i've been using you know the funding largely you know looking to scale and you know we've signed our first global publishing agreement uh you know about a month ago we're going to look to soft launch that uh next month you know really excited you know we look at um we look at titles you know for sure it's great to sign in africa but we're looking at games all over the world uh this particular studio uh is based in ethiopia uh kenne games so really excited to be working with them it's a mancala based game it's an indigenous board game and yeah our business model what we really focus on is you know it's it's twofold so on the one hand what we're doing is we are chatting with large publishers and developers about becoming a regional partner of theirs you know in Africa we believe you know we can improve monetization and in our purchases across the continent you know we you know busy finalizing you know we've developed a proprietary payment aggregator which allows you know various uh payment methods to come you know to plug into to our system and you know a big part of it is you think oh well if people don't have uh i guess you know credit cards or even bank accounts do they have money well i'll bring an example you know uh sports betting in nigeria alone where it's very cash uh, focused and a startup uh, last year a uh, sports betting company generated a billion dollars so it shows there is money available and people are willing to spend and you know we have an agreement in place uh you know with uh you know in terms of a voucher system in terms of you know 200,000 uh you know i guess distribution points where people can go into you know local spaza shops to purchase you know the vouchers for cash and you know plug into our system so that's fantastic you know in terms of monetization and you know just the various things that we can do and then you yeah, on the other side we are chatting with uh you know smaller developers and studios about signing a a global publishing agreement and um Yeah, our unique selling proposition is you know we can acquire uh tens of millions of users across the continent and you know really test the robustness of the game before launching you know globally and while yeah we are the the new players on the block we don't claim to be the biggest uh you know publishers in the world but yeah as well as having a strong local team you know across the continent you know we have offices in South Africa, uh Nigeria, New York and then remote employees across Europe and Africa. We are a team of about 25. Yeah, we do have, you know, people who have strong industry experience, uh you know, uh you know, our UA uh dark art specialist. Um you know, he previously worked at Disruptor Beam and Scientific Games, you know, so extremely grateful to have him a part of you know what we're doing and yeah our head of games uh 
I always have a bit of a, you know, joke with him that I always bring this up. You know, he previously worked at Rovio. He worked on Angry Birds 2 and, you know, worked at Ubisoft in Greece. So, yeah, we're building, you know, our international exposure and experience and blending it with our, our local knowledge. And, yeah, in terms of, you know, what we offer, yeah, we do offer, you know, on the from the global title side of things, uh, we do offer minimum guarantee and, you know, we effectively, we yeah, we've got you know big plans where you know mobile games is just the start for us. You know we want to focus on multiple channels of content on mobile. Also want to focus on payments. Uh, you know every startup has big ambitions, but you know we effectively want to become the so-called ten cent of Africa. And so yeah, we laying down the the groundwork to you know to do that. Indie Game Business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all the speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. So when you all test launches and soft launch titles, where do you do that? Where, where's your target market for getting that initial data? Sure. So, um, yeah, Jay, uh, funny discussion there, but we'll keep that off the record uh, separately for business that we're chatting about. Um, but, yeah, so it very much depends uh, if it's going to be regionally focused or globally. Uh, so we have quite a strong, you know, presence in South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria. We're expanding into uh, Ghana, uh, Ethiopia, and Egypt as well this year. And yeah, really, it's just we look at markets, you know, that replicate uh, what we're looking for. So if we're looking at, you know, tier one markets such as the US, we would then look at uh, Canada. And if we're looking at, you know, Africa, we, we typically like to look at uh, Kenya and then, yeah, we often like to test uh, in the Philippines as well. So, yeah, it very much uh, depends on uh, what the particular agreement is and, uh, you know, what the particular outcome that we're looking for. You know, I can't say this enough and, you know, I know I'm speaking to a largely gaming audience, but... If I may, you know, just explain from a publisher, publisher's perspective why, why retention really matters because a lot of developers put their heart and soul into games and, you know, the work that gets put in. And it's a big reason why, despite, you know, being a publisher, we put a lot of emphasis on retention. I try out every game that gets sent to us, and that's just a a sign of respect to the developers and everything else and trying out and seeing if there's some potential there. But so why retention matters is, is because, you know, it's not just about downloads that everyone thinks, oh, great, you've got X amount of millions of downloads. It means you, you're making huge amounts of money. 
no, uh, it's just that you've got uh, a lot of users or it depends if you've got, you know, X amount of, you know, monthly active users or daily active users. And retention is basically showing how many people are coming back to, you know, the, to the app. And that's relevant because if you are showing them ads, as an example, uh, if no one's coming back to the games, uh, no one's viewing, you know, the ads. And if you're making the majority of your money through in-app purchases, again, you not, not many people are making in-app purchases if they're not there. So, yeah, that's something that I, I like to really uh, share with people and share with developers who previously didn't really understand it and, you know, understand the business side of things from the the whole publishing model. All right, we, we got a question. Oops, there we go. From uh, McJohn Miguel Chris John. And he says, do you look at games before they are published, after they are released, or both? Sure. So in terms of the, the games that we are looking at uh, right now, predominantly speaking, we are looking at ready-made games that have uh, certain retention metrics. Um, the reason being is it's just, you know, we the typical hyper-growth startup where you know, you have the so-called funding that we've received, uh, we're using a large portion of that funding, you know, going into marketing and user acquisition. So therefore, you know, we're looking to stabilize and bring in the revenue in the short term so we can then, you know, have more of a, an opportunity to get in earlier on in terms of the, the life cycle of a game. If it's so-called uh, a football game, um hint hint i'm a big manchester united fan just saying if and it's very popular in africa if there was a, a game of that you know looking a bit earlier on and seeing if we can come in there and you know see what we can do and ultimately it's just about you know resource allocation um and what we can do and if we believe we can be of value because ultimately that's the most important thing where both parties are happy and you know, it's an it's agreements where it's a big thing to me as well, uh, where I want to make sure the developers that, you know, we're working with, they're happy and they're happy with what we're doing, how we're doing it, and, you know, like to keep that communication very open. So you said um, you look for good numbers or for retention numbers. And so his next question is, what are good numbers for retention? <laughs> sure, sure. Everybody. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll give the classic uh, benchmarks. Again, it might be uh, helpful for people who aren't, you know, aware of the, the basic standards. So, you know, typically a day one retention of 40% and above, uh, day seven of 20% and above, and, you know, day 30 of 10% and above. Uh, so, you know, those are numbers we're typically looking at. Ultimately, it's very much genre dependent, though, and, you know, in certain genres, it differs, you know. We typically haven't been looking at hyper casual, but just to share with you know listeners, typically hyper casual games have higher retention numbers. Whereas if you're looking at the the hardcore genre, uh, you're having lower retention numbers, but your audience is very invested in the game. So, yeah, we hate those answers where people say it depends, but I guess it does depend. <laughs> so, if you're a a developer wherever, I mean, because we're seeing this more and more and more. You know, I've said before, we used to live in a world where no publisher wanted to touch anything that had already been soft launched or released anywhere because they felt they've lost control. And now 
we are seeing more and more publishers, they want to see these KPIs. If you're, you know, a small developer, where do you get, what's your advice for going out and even getting these first numbers for people to look at? You know, where do I go to get those retention numbers if I've, if I don't have a publisher to help me? Sure. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, yeah, something that I'd recommend, uh, you know, go look at gameanalytics.com. Uh, it's free. Um, and a big reason why it's free is because a lot of, you know, the bigger players in industry, you know, players like Voodoo use it. Uh, Voodoo have billions of downloads towards their name. So, you know, it's a great tool and, you know, it takes like one or two lines of code to, to add it in. So, yeah, just as a starting point, that's something that I'd highly recommend, you know, in terms of, you know, adding uh, uh, to your game. Uh, Dev, to, to Dev, again, you know, really like what they're offering. Uh, they're free up until a certain point, you know, depending on your monthly active users. And, yeah, they're just more... Uh, dive deeper in terms of you know the analytics and you know seeing potential bottlenecks maybe it's yeah it's just assessing that you know you might get a bit uh lost in it in terms of it could overwhelm you in the data but feel free to reach out to me i know you know someone there at dev to dev more than happy to put people in contact so yeah um in terms of, you know, getting out there and spend and, you know, yeah, it can be tricky. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a fantastic success story, um, which I will bring it up um, controversially, I guess. I say controversially because, yeah, you know, uh, certain things, you know, you don't bring up in a public forum, but I'm just so... It just warms my heart the story where it was a developer in in Ghana, and you know during COVID he released a game and you know he had a few downloads and he was really happy about it and that was it and then he had uh, eight hundred downloads and he was over the moon and within a few weeks he actually had seventy thousand downloads and you know, just was getting featured and getting spoken about and getting uh, local media talking about it. And it just snowboard. And, you know, stories such as that is amazing. And so the advice I give is to, to reach out to people in your countries and in your cities and to the scene. As I said, I strongly believe it's a very friendly scene. And who knows, maybe an article will get, will get written about your game. And who knows, it might get featured. It depends on, you know, if it's something that's really interesting, you know, whether it's uh, Apple or, the, or um, you know, Google Play might be really interested in, you know, featuring it. So unless you try, you'll never know. Uh, so, yeah, that's the advice, you know, I'd, I'd highly recommend uh, getting out there and seeing, you know, who might know someone and might help because, yo, yeah, fully understand it, you know, starting up, it's like, great, well, we need X amount of thousands of users, but we don't have the budget to then get the deal to then have that. And it's, you know, a chicken and egg situation. So to negate that, that's some, something that I'd recommend doing. So what do you think is the, the minimum or the ideal amount that they need that you need to invest to get some decent KPIs? 
Sure. So, look, I mean, I also think, you know, know what your game is, because ultimately, if it's a PvP type of game, uh, you're going to need uh, a few thousand users in a particular um, space in order to really assess the game. Uh, so it's all, it's all very good if you've got a game that has, you know, let's just say 1,000 users uh, or downloads or one to 2,000 users, but in terms of the PvP element, uh, you don't really have something. So there you'd be looking at maybe five to 10,000, uh, you know, uh, downloads. And yeah, it very much just depends on what market you're looking at. Um, yeah, it's, it's called CPI cost per install. And yeah, there you'd need to work it out. If you're looking at, you know, a CPI on a, a larger type of game, uh, where you're looking at, I've seen like $1 CPIs, or if you're looking at, as I said, the numbers I spoke about earlier, CPI, depending, you know, in Africa of 10 cents, obviously that's 10 times the users you're able to acquire. So, yeah, it very much just depends on what region, what is your end goal, and, uh, yeah, are these users realistically the users that are your target market? Because ultimately... It's all very good if you're targeting and you get X amount of users, but then you get terrible KPIs, but it could just be because it's the wrong target markets. So it's all these kind of things that need to be factored in. And yeah, I have a lot of discussions with people about, you know, whether going the self-publishing route versus going with a publisher, um, particularly after last week's podcast, you know, and um, uh, Ahmed uh, being... Uh, burnt a bit by certain publishers and going the self-publishing route. And ultimately, you need to look at what are you getting from the publisher and what is the deal looking like. Uh, you shouldn't need to sell your soul, soul or need to uh, sell your IP. Um, each publisher is different. Uh, we personally, we don't take the IP. You know, we sign licensing, to, so the rights to the game but yeah, we don't take the IP. We believe that the IP should stay with those who created it. Um, and then ultimately, it's like, what are your strengths? Uh, do you come from a marketing background and have that kind of knowledge? Sure, then um, look at that. If you just come from uh, making games and that's your strong suit, sure. Well, you know, effectively, that's the role of a publisher, you know, focusing on the marketing and the user acquisition and focusing on the community management and, you know, the creative assets and everything else. And, you know, you just need to assess, okay, what is the value here? And you need to assess in terms of uh, the pie. Do you want to own 100% of the pie in terms of the rev share, but you're getting in minimal money versus, you know, working with a trusted partner where you can actually grow something? So I don't believe there's a right and wrong answer uh, you know, developers uh, need to go with what they feel is best for for them, and I, I fully support that. Sorry, I got a distracted banning somebody from Twitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it is. What's interesting is, and, and we saw it when we talked to you know a couple of teams from the Middle East as well these markets that you're focusing in are actually some of the best markets for going out there and getting that data anyway. I mean, because like you said, you're going to, if that, you know, CPI is 10% less, 
you've got a lot more data to pull from and a lot more information to to pull around. I mean, do you find that, you know, genre to genre, I mean, when you're comparing like puzzle games to puzzle games, that the KPIs are consistent, you know, in yeah. somewhere like Ghana versus the US? Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a bit specific there, you know, but um, yeah, well, if, yeah, if you look it, at... It, that was just the first one that popped them on. Yeah. Um, so, look, I'll bring up, you know, just this is publicly available data via Google Play. So, as an example, you know, a day one retention in Nigeria of 41%, South Africa about 47%. If you compare that to, you know, Great Britain, uh, 42%, Canada about 40%. So, there you're seeing numbers that are fairly consistent. Um, and again, if you look at, you know, average... Uh, transaction value, if I recall correctly, uh, Nigeria was around uh, $4.47, uh, South Africa around $4.30. And then, yeah, you know, Great Britain, you know, it was around $4.21. And yeah, then again, Australia, $4.32, if my memory serves correctly. Um, so yeah, if you look at those numbers, I mean, they are fairly consistent and ultimately that's very useful. It's just about, you know, okay, how do we go about reaching this, this audience and everything else? And so it, it, it definitely is helpful. And, you know, as I said, it's, it's data where I told, I told, you know, developers, users vote with their feet. So if your retention numbers aren't looking very good, uh, you need to make the call of, do we work on this and change it or do we start over with a new kind of concept? So ultimately, yeah, saw retention numbers of, you know, close to 0%. And then um, the developers were like, oh yeah, but I love this game and everything else. I mean, the reality is, you know, what is, what is your end goal here? Are you making this purely just from as a hobbyist? then by all means, for sure. But publishers aren't really going to be interested in numbers such as that. However, um, if you flip it, uh, if you've got very strong retention uh, numbers, uh, it's going to open a lot of doors uh, with various publishers because, sure, various publishers uh, look at uh, different things and you know are interested in different life cycles of a game, but strong retention numbers are always fantastic to see. And then you're looking at your, you know, your optile, your average revenue per daily active users and everything else. So, you know, you just, it's how deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go, but effectively it all stems from uh, retention. And um, strong retention often has a good indicator of uh, success. That's a good point. And it's something that we talk about a lot on the show too, you know, we we give business advice, and if somebody's like, "Well, that's not what I want to do," I just want people to enjoy my game, and, and that's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong. You're in it for the love of it and for the art of it. You know what we try to emphasize, though, is if you want to make this a career, you got to know, you know, when to pull the plug and when to adjust things, and when something's just flat out not working. And that's a good point. You know, if you run a retention test and you're getting no retention, 10% retention day one, something like that, and you're that far off the mark 
on what needs to be done, then yeah, you either need to make some major changes, release it as a, you know, a hobby project or, you know, cut bait and, and try something different, you know, because that's the, that's the reality of the industry, you know, at the no, end of absolutely. the day, it's still a business. I mean, absolutely. You know, Look at the statistics. Uh, there's only a, a small amount of, you know, games that make money in, in industry. And, you know, everyone wants to be a so-called king, you know, have a candy crush and just be uh, like amazing and look at those kind of numbers and the revenue that's generating. And ultimately, though, but it is also stepping stones. So don't be, you know, hard on yourselves if, you know, you have a game that doesn't work out because it could just be one step closer you know, to coming up with the game that really is a fit. And, you know, it is also something that uh, not only that we look at versus, uh, you know, other uh, publishers as well is the type of people and how easy people are to work with and, you know, open to, you know, um, feedback and everything else. That makes a big difference as well because, sure, one game, it's got a hit and miss kind of a success rate. But if you've got a really strong developer and you've got the potential for a strong partnership there for years to come, well, that's arguably even more valuable. So, yeah, as Pontus was saying, you know, last week in terms of how you are uh, as, as a person, it, it really does go a long way. And, um, yeah, you know, it doesn't mean that a so-called someone with more experience in the industry means they know everything. Um, as I said, don't take what publishers tell you, but if you, you know, if people get defensive, fair enough. It's just a particular company's vision and opinion, but really take into account your users because, as I said, they do vote with their feet. Another good point, and when you mentioned that, publishers typically want to work with companies that are easy to deal with in your development process. You know, hopefully you're, you're, you're noting all of this stuff, you know, this is the change we made and this is the change that resulted in analytics. If you go to a publisher knowing that you have lower KPIs than they want to see, but you can show the evolution of the game and say, look, we soft launched this thing originally and we had a 5% retention rate day one and then we made this change and it's increased to this much and then and change and increased to this much that shows the publisher that you're willing to make those changes because we do i mean even games that are being pitched to publishers they you know a lot of developers are like i don't want them touching anything in it and we had a, a client a situation like that about a year ago you know, they were they wanted to work with a license and, and they said, but I don't want them to have any say over the license whatsoever. I was like, well, that's not going to happen. That's just, <laughs> that's an, an unrealistic expectation if they are, you know, lending their name to what you're doing. But if you can show that one, you're interested in making the changes it takes to get it to the point that it needs to be. And two, you've been proactively doing this on your own, then, you know, what you're basically saying to that publisher is we want help with this. We don't know as much as we would like to know about increasing these KPIs. And that's part of what we're looking for from a publisher, because, you know, I had a publisher call before we went live with, with another one of our clients. And, you know, that was one of the questions the publisher had for the developer. And, and we always think in terms of, because we are, 
you know, obviously developer focused, we always think in terms of here are the questions that you need to ask a publisher. But, you know, when you've got the publishers coming back and they'll say, what do you want from us? And that's a key thing to, to keep in mind. And so, yeah, when you can show we're trying to make these changes to get the KPIs where they need to be, but we just don't know what else to do. We got it to this point. You know, that that's a that's a good case to show, you know, when you're pitching. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that, Jay. And, you know, it is something that, you know, I have seen. And look, I also chat with, you know, people in industry and, you know, developers that have decided to go a different route to what we're looking at and everything else, still discuss things with them and still give some advice and hear, okay, great, and look at, you know, how their retention numbers are doing and the changes and, you know, they messaging me and, you know, keeping in touch. And, yeah, that's that's just purely, again, you know, jumping back to just the whole community element and, you know, people are out there willing to support, to show that kind of support. Uh, and if you've met some, you know, bad eggs, I mean, that's going to happen in any industry for sure. But uh, largely speaking, there's a lot of good people uh, out there and uh, willing to, you know, give you that advice and support. So don't be afraid to reach out and see, okay, can there be some assistance there? And showing that level of progress, I mean, that's that's amazing. And it just shows, okay, their capabilities, you know, in terms of, you know, balancing a gaming economy and, you know, uh, did they do that themselves? And did they get external help? Okay, wow, they were able to make these kind of changes without the, the help of a so-called professional. Imagine you get a, a live ops and monetization specialist coming in for it, you know. So ultimately, it all plays a part and it, it's showing the right kind of attitude. But yeah, personally, I don't begrudge anyone in terms of uh, what they want to do with the game and the direction we can only be of assistance and, you know, give our view of what we believe is going to be a success. Even having strong retention numbers doesn't mean the game's going to be this huge uh, multi-million dollar success and everything else and, you know, how it all works. It's just you could come up with the best concept ever and then there's cases of copycats and they've got the budgets and everything else and because you went the self-publishing route and it went a lot more organic, uh, there's now 10 other versions. It happens very, like it happens a lot in hyper-casual. Uh, there's, there's a lot of funny posts on LinkedIn um, specifically where people, you know, show a screenshot of the game and then like the six exact copies of it. And it's just, it happens. It, it I mean, happens and it's always happened in the industry, it's just so much easier to do with a hyper casual game because they yeah. are so much. I mean, you're talking about games that are sometimes created in the course of like four weeks, I mean, not yeah. optimized and released in that amount of time, but created in that amount of time. And it takes like a day to copy them sometimes, you know? So it's, yeah, it has always happened. And unfortunately, except in, in rare cases, there's only so much you can do about it, but it is, you can't, you know, be afraid to step yourself out and put yourself out there. You know, it's like the pitch a game thing that, that Liam's doing today. Yeah. You have to get that feedback. You have to let people know about your game. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about the idea and the design anyway. It, it's about the execution. You know, how well is that 
design and executed into something that the users can enjoy. So, uh, all right. So we are coming close to the end of our, our time here. If you've got questions about you know, mobile publishing, the African market in general, you know, uh, cricket, because Sean coached it and that's one of the sports I still don't understand to this day, throw those out there. Um, and, and, I, and I'll ask, you know, why does a cricket match take two days to play? That's one of the things that I don't. Should five have, days, actually. Five. Yeah. Oh my God, no. That's just. <laughs> it very much depends, you know. Um, and I mean, this is the the real catch: is that after five days, it can still end in a draw. Um, See, this is why it's not popular here in the States. We don't like things that end in draws. You know, that's the uh, sure. look at the rules that hockey is going to implement so we don't have a draw. But for five days and then you still don't have a winner? Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, look, there's, there's various uh, iterations. And, uh, you know, there's uh, games that are about eight hours. There's games that are about four hours. And then the typical five-day game. And, yeah, I remember used to have lots of uh, friendly debates uh, with people in America, the argument of what is harder, you know, cricket or baseball. And, um yeah, maybe Jay, we can have that discussion offline. I don't know if this audience is the no, right target uh, market to answer that. We're we're gonna get into this right now. It's like we think that <laughs> we think there's a lot of people. I'm one of them. I think baseball games are too long, you know. And it's just like hurry up, just let's let's get this moving along, and then to be like you know have cricket players look at baseball games and go, well, they're not that long. No, they are. That's the. <laughs> But no, that's awesome. And, and yeah, we will absolutely, you know, catch up on, on more in the world of cricket because I know it's like, you know, soccer. It's one of the ones that's not as popular here as it is in the rest of the world. But, you know, Sean, thank you for coming on and, and doing this. It's always something that we love to have folks, you know, come on and educate us on markets that aren't necessarily top of mind. And obviously, I mean, Africa is a huge market and it's not you know, one that you're going to spend tons and tons of money, you know, getting installs in. So thanks for that. Uh, thanks for your help on, you know, pitch a game that's going on right now. So everybody out there, if you, you know, if you have a game that you're working on or one you think you're working on, get on Twitter. You, you've got 144 characters to pitch your hashtag pitch a game and get feedback from quite frankly, a whole lot of publishers and investors that watch that hashtag on, on days like this. Yeah, uh, a and, lot. Yeah. And, and then of course, next week you are, you've got your panel for, you know, the, the meet to match an indie game business, San Francisco summer edition. We have got to get a smaller name. Well, San this. Francisco summer <laughs> edition. <laughs> yeah. And, you guys, Get you can sign up for that for free to watch at indiegame.business. So sign up for that. Uh, the green screen's not working on the straw today as well as it was the other day. Um, the <laughs> and yeah, go to indiegame.business and you can get a pass for free. You know, we if you want to listen to the sessions, and we've got some absolutely world class, mm. you know, sessions. Sean and his team are obviously going to be talking. Uh, we've got Alan Noon from Epic. Uh, who's There's like 30 be, sessions or something, isn't there? Or is, it's I, something, I actually did not count it. It's, it's I'll be there all day, every every day. <laughs> Indy drew the short straw. So yeah, um, I got to get up at like four o'clock in the morning on on Wednesday or Tuesday. 
Tuesday, no, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday when, one of those days, I don't even know. We're still scheduling. We're still scheduling sessions. So we are about to announce a marketing and PR AMA that Michael from Vicarious is going to be doing. Oh, nice. Uh, like I said, Alan Noon from Epic is going to be there. He is going to be giving you tips and best practices for submitting to Epic Mega Grants. They announced mm -hmm. this week they had, you know, done $42 million in grants to developers and, and companies that applied for that. So if you want advice on how to do it, he'll be there. He'll be answering your questions. Anya Combs, who is the director of games at Kickstarter, is going to be answering your Kickstarter so questions. Cool let's face it, you're not going to get it from a more qualified person than the woman who's in charge of gaming at, at Kickstarter, but a lot of good stuff. Go to indiegame.business. You can see it. And then if you decide you want to do the business meetings, there's 350 companies that are signed up right now and it's only 60 bucks. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, and India um, We got a question. How long is pitch a game going on today? Uh, it's 12 to 12, but 12 to 12. So that Eastern? is 12. Uh, uh, is it 12 London? In the, or is in it 12? the UK. Yeah. It's 12 okay. somewhere GMT to 12 somewhere one. some other time. Yeah. GMT plus one. So it's going. Uh, so yeah, just, you know, from a spotlighting perspective. So obviously while I've been here, rest assured all who've, you know, DM'd uh, the carry first uh, account, all uh, pictures will be looked at. Don't worry if I can't get through everything tonight. We'll continue looking at it tomorrow. I'm a big fan of supporting, so rest assured, uh, it will be answered. Don't worry, get involved. Uh, you know, absolutely, it's a it's a great event. And if you want, I'll throw this out there too. If you want personalized business feedback on your pitch, uh, DM me at Business Indy or Powerpoint or or my regular Twitter, and I'll absolutely 100% give you some. Um, business feedback on your pitch you can also join the uh indie game business discord it's scrolling across the screen right now discord.gg slash indie game business they're changing that to discord.com sometime aren't they why i don't know <laughs> gg Getting with the times eh? yeah so you can <laughs> also like us on so facebook like us on facebook indie game business follow us on twitter at business indie to get all the latest uh, news and updates. And this, among all of these other podcasts, are on, will be, this will be on anchor.fm slash indie game business. But we've got, I don't even know how many we got up there, Jay. A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. There's a lot of podcasts up there with about a, a lot of different subjects. So if you have pretty much any question in the indie game industry or gaming industry, you can go through that podcast that list and find out about it. And you know what? If there's a subject that you would like us to talk about again or uh, we don't have up there, please get in touch with us. Um, Discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. Jay and I are in there and just say, hey, you should do a show about this and we'll see what we can do. And isn't there a schedule change coming up too, Jay? Yes. Um, we're going to be moving to one show a week and it's going to be on Fridays. So we've still got a couple of people, I think, queued up to do Wednesday shows. But with, I mean, quite frankly, it's we're, we're beginning to be a victim of our own success here uh, <laughs> with running these events and everything else. It's just hard sometimes to get all of these things in. So we're going to start doing one show a week, but it's going to be, you know, a good show. 
Plus, you still have really, really good other. show. You're going to have hundreds of other ones that you can go back and watch, too. Really, really um, good show. All right. So we have a, a very late question. This will be like the last one for you, Sean. If you had to pick two countries in Africa to focus on as a, you know, in terms of releases, KPIs, all that kind of stuff, where would you launch? Um, I'd probably say South Africa and Kenya. Um, but let's not leave out Nigeria. So, yeah, I'd say those are the two slash three countries that show a lot of uh, promise and good numbers. As I mentioned before, uh, the numbers were consistent in South Africa and Nigeria, and that's, you know, objective data from Google Play. So it does show there is some validity to that. And so, and, and Kadima, so obviously you, you, you came in late. You can go back and watch this entire episode. It'll be, you know, on Facebook and Twitter and Twitch and YouTube and even my LinkedIn account. Uh, and then the audio, the podcast is going to be there too. So don't feel like you missed out on a whole lot. You can go back and watch it all. All right. I think that's it. So That seems to be it. Thank you awesome, so much guys. for coming well, on here, Sean. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity, uh, Jay and Indy. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I look forward to chatting uh, offline, off the record conversations that we often tend to have. You know, that's that's where the real business happens. Eh? <laughs> exactly. We're, you know, we're, we're like the the bar at the events, you know, we're, we're, where all the fun stuff happens. Um, and so on Friday, we've actually got something a little along the lines of prep for our event. Uh, Brendan is going to be on the show giving you tips for public speaking, you know, so you can get ready and know how to manage all the one-on-one -on -one video calls that you're going to have next week at the event. Uh, we're going to have a public speaking expert on here talking about just that. So yeah. See y'all Friday. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.